Undeceptions podcast. Small Wonders with Laurel Moffat. There's something about leaving the house, the desk, the various responsibilities orbiting our lives, and going for a walk that can put things in perspective. It also feels like a luxury at times. It's not always easy to walk away from whatever task is at hand and just go for a walk. And for some, walking isn't easy at all. But what if going for a walk by whatever means or aids isn't just a luxury, but a necessity. I live in the city in a pretty busy area that often has visitors and tourists in it. More often than not, there are people wheeling suitcases down the street, or there'll be a backpacker walking like a snail with all her belongings crammed in a pack on her back. Or there'll be a couple standing at the corner looking up the streets and down always with confusion in their eyes and a question on their lips. Do I know where a certain pub is or a hotel? Do I know the way to the bridge and how to get across it? I used to dread these encounters. I saw them as interruptions to my walk, especially if I was just setting off. But when these interruptions were themselves interrupted in 2020 and 2021 during the two pandemic lockdowns in Sydney, and all visitors and tourists completely disappeared from my neighborhood, their absence also meant a loss of interaction and connection, especially those passing ones. And it's connection that's the not-so-hidden benefit of walking. Walking is mundane every day. It's quite literally rather pedestrian. One writer I read called it, quote, the worst kept secret I know whose rewards hide under every step. We usually have to have a reason to walk somewhere, some utility, to get from A to B, to exercise, run an errand, grab a coffee, dash from a car to a shop and back again. Walking's one of the most common means to an end that we have. But walking holds both very obvious benefits as well as some hidden gifts. And they all have something to do with connection. The obvious connection that walking affords is our connection to the place we're walking in and through. In her book, Wanderlust, A History of Walking, Rebecca Solnit writes that, quote, Walking is how the body measures itself against the earth. Distances are measured in footsteps. Time accrues in heartbeats. There's a part of a walk in my neighborhood when I've passed all my neighborhood pubs and I've crossed the road with no crosswalk that sometimes cars and motorbikes come too fast down. 
and I'm on the other side of the street, and for a stretch of time, there's no more pubs, and there's no more cars, and there's just the expanse of the bridge above me and the wide strip of land under it that then begins to slope down and fall toward the water. And then it's the water stretching out around me with boats and ferries, and if it's dusk, the lights of the apartments across the water turn on one by one, beginning their nightly twinkle like stars. Those who write in praise of walking often list the connection to place as one of the greatest benefits, and attention to that place as one of the biggest boons, the gift of noticing, the gift of being in a particular place at a particular time. But there is also the added benefit of how walking connects us to one another. Walking offers connections to other people even when you walk alone. Those incidental, casual interactions, yes, the very ones that I used to write off as interruptions, are themselves important moments of human connection, which cannot be replaced by an interaction with a screen, or a show, or a podcast. As inconvenient as it may sometimes seem, there's something irreplaceable about bumping into someone on the street. No matter how momentary or trivial it may seem at the time, and looking into the face of another person. And we need these connections to our environment and to one another, perhaps now more than ever. Even before the pandemic of the last few years, we were in the middle of an epidemic, not of a virus or some pathogen, but of loneliness. These days, we are more connected than ever, wired through all our devices. And yet, as we are left more and more to our own devices, the research says that we've never been lonelier. Loneliness is so rife in some places that countries such as the UK, Canada, and Poland have appointed loneliness ministers with a kind of inverse portfolio. What they are in name is what they're trying to eradicate. These ministers track the markers of loneliness, including such things as rates of anxiety and depression, and also promote programs, activities, and education that foster connection. And the research says that getting outside where you just might bump into someone, where you'll inevitably experience a chance encounter of some kind, for better or for worse, even occasionally annoying ones, all help to build connection. But there's more to it than that, which is often true of the simplest things. Walking feels good for us because it is good for us, and better for us than we may at first might think. But the benefits are deeper than the connection of our bodies to the place in which we are walking, and the connection to others who we may come across in our wander, or who we may be walking with. Walking, it turns out, is a key ingredient in the connection within our own brains, and the potential improvement of our memory. For years, the gray matter of the brain has been the star of the show in terms of brain research. 
After all, the gray matter is the dazzling stage for neurons and synapses, and the countless messages that zing from the brain to the body and back again. In contrast, the white matter was thought to be rather static, inflexible, incapable of growth once a person reached adulthood. Thankfully, this turned out to be false. White matter is the part of our brains that supports and connects the cells in our brain. It's the part of the brain that connects the different regions of our brain. It turns out, the part of the brain that's been the most overlooked is the part that supports the optimal working of our minds. And walking is one of the best forms of exercise we can do to strengthen it. A study was published a couple years ago in the journal NeuroImage, in which a professor of neuroscience and her graduate student put together a study with the aim of improving people's white matter, that connective tissue in our brains. They gathered 250 older men and women for their study, took measurements and MRIs, assessed their fitness and cognitive skills, and then split them into three groups. One group was the control group, they began a program of stretching and balancing three times a week. Another group took up dancing three times a week. And the third group started walking together three times a week. The three groups trained for six months and then returned to the lab to repeat the tests they had done at the start. And what the researchers learned from these results surprised them. The first surprise was in what happened to the control group their white matter did not improve or even remain the same. In fact, its health declined. After six months of their stretching and balancing, their test results were worse rather than better. The second surprise was that the members of the other two groups were much improved from the start of the study. Their white matter had strengthened and grown. And I suppose there was a third surprise in this study the researchers had expected the dancing group to show the most improved results. Instead, it was the walkers. The most gains in white matter and improvements in memory were with those who had engaged in the simplest activity, walking. Walking is often used as a metaphor for life and living, which is certainly true in the Christian scriptures. In one of his letters, the Apostle John encourages his reader not to walk in darkness, but to walk in the light, as God is in the light. Walking is akin to living, and where you walk becomes a matter of obedience. In another letter, this one addressed to the lady chosen by God, John describes obedience to God as walking in the truth, and the truth that those obedient to God are to practice or walk in is to love one another. And about a thousand years and 42 books earlier in the book of Proverbs, the writer encourages his reader to trust God in everything, to yield to him in every step, on every walk, and that God will guide that walk and will smooth the path. 
The benefits that are described by this way of living, this way of walking, are described as tangibly as those recorded in the research into walking. The gift of connection to God the Father. Connection with one another, and a connected and aligned life that is connected to and draws from the wisdom and understanding of God. My neighborhood has changed a lot in the years I've lived in it. The city has changed. Some parts are almost unrecognizable to their former selves. As I walk, I think about those changes, the way a stretch of what used to be concrete is now a park covered in grass and trees. And as I walk through what feels like a new scene when I think of the old, I think about what hasn't changed. There are some things that stay the same no matter how much everything else may alter. The water, the sky, the chug of a boat, the steeple of a church on my horizon, and the way it always scrapes the sky. For me, it's the things that stay the same, the constants, that I love the most about my walk. For it's by them that I know where I am and where I am going. Sometimes the best things for us are the simplest. Walking is good for us. There's no doubt about that. We're more connected as a result to others, to our environment, and within ourselves. But the best walk we can do, with the greatest long-term benefits, lasting long past the average lifetime and into eternity, is a particular walk, a particular way. And that is the way of God's truth and love. This is the best walk because it connects us to the Father, where the deepest connection and the truest health is found. An Undeceptions podcast.